0: My famished friends, let me tell you about Lisa. Lisa is an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also socially conscious. In fact, for every 10 mattresses that Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter. Through their 110 program, they also Feature these beautiful mattresses, a patented universal adaptive feel designed for all types of sleepers. And now, Lisa has expanded its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, the Lisa blanket, the Lisa foundation for this beautiful mattress, and the Lisa frame. Try a Lisa mattress in your own home for 100 nights, my hungry homies. Risk free that means you can return it if you're not down with it. On the 99th night, but you're going to be down with it. You're going to keep it for, for 3,065 days and 3,065 nights. This is available in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. This 100% American-made mattress ships compressed in a box right to your front door. You can try the mattress at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, As well as Virginia Beach Or you can get yourself to any one of 80 West Elm stores Nationwide and give it a test Drive before you get going On the 100 nights risk free For Memorial Day, oh this is a great deal Hungry Homies get $160 Off when you go to Lisa.com Slash carbs That's L-E-E-S-A Dot com slash C-A-R-B-S Do it $160 off that's a great deal Culinary Comrades, today's House of Carbs also brought to you by our good pals at Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book no long endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels perfect whether you are a planner or like me you like to leave things to the very last minute hotel tonight has a great perks program the ht perks program the more you book the better the deals get so start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the hotel tonight app now Taste buds, before we jump into today's show, a couple plugs for what's going on at The Ringer. Get yourself to the ringer.com. Justin Charity has this very cool story. What makes Star Wars superior to Marvel? That's a take. Justin Charity is on it. Also, on The Ringer Podcast Network, The Press Box, with two hungry homies, David Shoemaker and Brian Curtis. They are covering all kinds of territory. They are revisiting the Mueller investigation. They're discussing how America consumed the royal wedding. And there's a look at Alex Rodriguez's media makeover, The the Ringer Podcast Network. Check out The Press Box. And Now, let's get it on with House of Carbs. My taste buds, my culinary comrades, my famished friends, we've done it. We are back. Another episode of House of Carbs, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Hungry homies, you know this is the podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. What a great show today. We are honored and humbled with this guest, Pat LaFreda from Pat LaFreda's Meat Purveyors is on to help us with summer grilling recommendations and techniques. And of course, food news with Juliet Littman with a surprise appearance by nephew Kyle, who was at this week's. L.A. version of the yeets con with our pals from Infatuation. But let's get into that belly with Pat LaFreda. All right, my taste buds, my famished friends. How about today's guest? My friends, this gentleman has been called... The magician of meat. He has been called America's most famous butcher. He has been called New York City's meat master. He specializes in providing meat to America's best restaurants, including the burger blends at the world famous Minetta Tavern. And my beloved Shake Shack, Pat LaFreda, welcome to House
1: of Cars. How are you? Oh, just... That is some intro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'm, I'm very excited. I mentioned this to you offline. It's not that often that I get a real genuine East Coaster here on, on the podcast and especially um, to, to talk, uh, to go very deep on meat. So I'm very excited to have you on today.
1: Especially uh, with our East Coast um, customer that we supply, that, that that's doing so well that has now 18 locations in Cali, which is Shake Shack.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm very, very happy that I have multiple locations here. I'm based in Washington, D.C. We have many delicious Shake Shacks here in, in the district Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, very fortunate to be enjoying your output at, at the uh, Shake Shacks. I, I, if you will indulge. I think it's probably right to go ahead and introduce some of our Midwestern friends and our, our West Coast friends to what the Pat LaFreda meat purveyor story is, is all about. Um, it's your grandfather's business, founded in 1922. How and when did you get involved?
1: Well, I am the third generation. My grandfather, uh, Pat the I., Passed away in eighty nine, and but my dad had taken over the business from he and the two of them worked together. And as a kid, I worked with them, so I I do have some fond memories of leaning up against the butcher table with 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 the two of them, which was um, always a lot of fun. And but I was the generation that was not supposed to be part of the business. My dad forbid me to to join the family business. Um, instead, he w- did not want me to work the grueling hours overnight and in the cold and really wanted me to, to get educated and go off and do something bigger and better. But uh, I did. Fin- uh, I went the finance route, worked on yeah. Wall Street for less than a year, hated it, begged to join the family business and helped grow it. but. In America, with the success rate of third-generation companies at around 10%, uh, I always had that weight on my back and um, managed to uh, to overcome it. And we are about 700 times larger than we were when I took over. And my dad still works with me, so I get to see him every morning at 3 a.m. Uh, <laughs> I started beautiful, perfect around 3 p.m. and worked throughout the night.
0: Yeah, perfect time to get together with pops every day in the middle of the night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the, Trust the, me, the stories... family business has all you want is a little bit of overlap. There's nothing <laughs> worse than uh, arguing with the people you love. Right, um, right. Especially um, at work. It's so awful.
0: The, the The stories of the business um, in the early days with your involvement are kind of legendary in terms of how uh, many hats you were wearing and all of the roles that you were playing. Um can we talk a little bit about all those hats and those roles
1: absolutely my uh, My dad taught me the right way when when like my first day officially in 1994 um when i left the market uh, i was r- reporting to the lowest person in the company now it wasn't that big of a company but still i had to answer to uh the cleaning crew which was one man one man cleaning crew in manhattan um and i cut meat cuz i i've been cutting meat since i'm 10 um, yeah, I would jump into a truck as a helper, help the drivers um, in making their deliveries. We had uh, an accident. One of my trucks had an action, accident, I should say, and that driver was out for a while, so I was driving the truck. And as soon as I would get those deliveries delivered, I'd get back to the front of shower, jump in a suit, and then hit the road to to get new business. and. That's really how I grew the business uh, organically. You know, um, the embarrassing part was that sometimes I knew customers that I, you know, they had just met me the, day, the afternoon before in a suit. The next morning, I would try to duck them. But I wasn't always successful. But there <laughs> I was in the jeans and fleece bringing the boxes down the, um, you know, the steep staircases of the Manhattan delivery. Uh, entrances. So it was, I had some odd looks in the beginning, like, you know, what the heck is this? Like a one man band, but in a small family business, that's what it's all about.
0: Right. And, and uh, the, the stories of the background and how you built the business, one theme that comes through quite clearly is how important these relationships are, and how uh, much of your success has been built off of that that personal touch. Um, you know, they they have they've seen your face in a, in a whole variety of different ways, and how that that um, that basically that personal touch has led to the size of the business today. I I don't uh, want to put you on the spot, but you know, two hundred million dollar a year in sales, uh, maybe north of that gigantic uh plant in in um in New Jersey and then you know a lot of different other uh avenues out there but still how do you maintain that personal touch
1: well our customers we spend so much time at work that our customers sometimes become the only people that we interact with um there's 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 you know we I have friends since I'm uh you know ten years old that I still stay in contact with, but really, our customers have become our friends, so that personal relationship um it's it, not one that that a salesperson or a service company has with the owner of a of a restaurant, but that's the culture that my dad uh, always had uh with between he and his clients. On our invoices, my cell phone is still on the invoice. Uh, my dad's home number's on the invoice. My cousin's cell phone number's on the invoice. So you can always get one of us. As a matter of fact, on the way in to work this afternoon, um, the standard hotel on the east side called me and said, hey, Pat, you know I haven't received my second delivery yet. Um, I have 1,200 deliveries that went out this morning. Yet, so you know, someone in need can still reach me, and I think that accessibility is key in, in growing a business. We all have been there where we've called large companies, and you're you you're lucky if you ever get someone on the phone after an hour of waiting. Um, whereas, you know, you can pick up the phone and actually speak to the people that are going to make the change, and, uh, and 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 get you help. Most people forget. Uh, especially in Manhattan, it's an Island. It needs to be supplied. And if, uh, their chef is waiting for product, they're relying on their, their whole life and business is relying on you. And that little bit of, uh, urgency. If it's, it's like, uh, an uplifting high, like, you know, you, you have to get the product there. So now you don't look at the clock ticking. Um, clockwise you, you're hoping yeah. that it goes counterclockwise and you have some some more time in your day
0: well i Just make i, I sure saw everyone's
1: supply
0: right i saw a story um from like the 2009 2010 2011 time frame about you being in a tuxedo you being at a wedding Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. you're in your tux <laughs> maybe i'll let you tell the story you get a call while you're at the wedding
1: yeah, i, I I you know, so that was when Mineta Tavern first opened um yeah. in nine, two thousand nine. And it wasn't soon after so I had developed this great relationship with the chef Riyad Nasser um and Lee Hansen well before the restaurant opened. It's the only restaurant that came to see me. Uh, nine months before they were opened, and we put meat on the dry age shelf just for them uh, two months before they opened. So imagine, it's a big leap of faith. I had just met these guys, and here we are, we had a few thousand dollars worth of meat up on a shelf dry-aging for them. Um, and you know how construction goes. It right. goes three times the amount of time. But But here's this leap of faith, to put this product up there, and we had developed a great relationship, and to this day, um, they just opened Frenchette. Um,
0: I, I was they, lucky so, enough to eat at Frenchette last week.
1: There you go. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know. So, um, but I was at a wedding, and I got the call. I walked out of the room, and reacted said, "Pat, I I am out of marrow bones," which. Are very the ones he uses are very specific to being the femur bone. Uh, it's like great bone roasted bone marrow that comes with his rib steak dishes. And he says, "I just did not I didn't order enough, so I can't say I didn't want to leave the wedding anyway." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, I drove to my facility in Manhattan and. I cut his, I cut and delivered his marrow bones in my tuxedo, um, and then went home.
0: <laughs> well, he he had to have been oh, impressed, yeah. right? You show up in a tux—that's high class service, right there, Pat. Yeah, it,
1: it really is. It really is, and it, it goes a <laughs> long way. So you're, you know, when you when you are able to pull things off, and you're willing to do things like that for your customers, it's. Um, in my business where we sell meat and a service and that service is just as important as the product. Uh, it goes a long way. And, um, you know, you 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 hope that your restaurateurs never forget that and chefs never forget that and in our case they, they haven't, they've, um, you know, that's, that's really where loyalty grows.
0: Well, I want to talk about hamburgers. Uh, I, 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 if you will uh, indulge, uh, you and sure. your cousin Mark uh, Pastore—did I say it right? Yes, yes. You, you guys uh, have de- have re- been recognized, w- well deserved, as as the burger gurus responsible for, I would say, kind of the elevation of of the hamburger into the delicious, high class event that it's 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 achieved here over the, like the last fifteen years or so um, in the first place, where did that inspiration come from and 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 I'll let you describe you know how you guys innovated in terms of the the cuts and the percentages and, and what you did um, but where did that inspiration come from
1: yeah my my grandfather uh had a very strict standard operating procedure in making chopped beef for burgers and it was and 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 uh, and a set of beliefs that are all true he used to say you cannot hide your sins in the chop beef machine meaning you, you can't throw in whatever scraps are left over at the end of the day and then expect to have any kind of consistent or quality burger and he really wanted a burger to have a steak like experience so in grinding all muscle cuts that that are domestic only that are um of 24 months of age on average nothing over 25 months of age which is a different type of older cattle there's a sweetness to uh to beef like that it's it's it, it's the it's those great prime and choice steaks that that we all eat, but that in the form of a burger. And to never – I mean, process is a lot. And I could write a book about the process and the temperatures that you need to achieve, not to crush the meat, but to actually chop it. And that's why we call it chopped beef instead of ground beef. Ah. But but to maintain that – the flavor – you. you as opposed to what the industry does. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's a, you know, I will say uh, our process is better. It makes the best product that you could possibly make. Uh, but is there a market for the trimmings of, let's say, another company, what they have left over? Of course. You know, the prison systems, unfortunately, winds up in the school systems, the military. Um, but other processors will use imported trimmings that come from other companies that are rock-solid frozen and mix it with some domestic fat to get an 80-20 mix. But they never know what's in those trimmings as far as are they from inside rounds, are they from skirt steaks, are they from fillets. You just you, you could never control what, what the flavors are. So I knew that we had something special when it came to that because Restaurant chefs that didn't buy from us on a regular basis, but for the f- Memorial Day, they were coming to La Frida to stop by for a ten-pound a bag of, of chopped beef to make burgers for the holiday. I was like, you know, there's something so special about what we were doing. I brought it to the attention, and like that's the that's that was the missing part that my dad did not have, which was. How do you market something like that? How do you get the word out about about that? Because once once you eat a burger like that, it's it's so vastly different from anything else in the market that it's um, it's very easy after that. Oh, once people try it, you know they they want it uh, to the point where we're on so many menus now, um, which is we're really humbled by, it, but it's something that you never saw before. You never saw a meat purveyor's name on the menu uh and the the chef bragging about that they're getting the product from us. But I saw early on that especially in Manhattan where you have sometimes three three restaurants on one street. One restaurant does not want to buy it from the same supplier as the other two. And that would be a problem for me. Oh, it was a problem for me. And I needed to solve that. And I did that in something that is rarely done in this business, which is customization. I would ask the chefs to give me an opportunity to make them a blend that was specific to that restaurant. And, you know, they looked at me a little crazy at first, but when we took my grandfather's, um, Components of what he used in which are are chuck, clod with flat iron, boneless short rib, and brisket, and then tweaked it according to what flavors a chef liked. Whereas one may say strip steak, one may say ribeye, one may say sirloin, um, and then increase or brisket. One, so we would increase and change the ratios of what we would go into that customer's blend and as you know, restaurants that would only use maybe 20 pounds a day, as opposed to hundreds, we would, we would stop and make their blend every day. And now three restaurants on the same street could have three different, very experiences and not mind to buy everything from us. So um, that was, you know, looking back, that was, that was a difficult task. But something that I was successful in doing, yeah. Um, the Shake Shack is a big example of that.
0: Well, that's right. I wanted to. You, I was going to say you mentioned the relationship with Riyadh and Lee at Manetta Tavern, and you guys um, all, I think, together basically collaborated on the Black Label Burger. Um, but ha- how did you f- connect with with Danny Myers and 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 come up with uh, the blend for Shake Shack?
1: Well. The shack was uh, a hot dog cart at first, and there wasn't much of a shack there. And it wasn't, you know, I guess to most New Yorkers, it looked like a dirty another dirty water dog. or wasn't doing that well. And um, they had expressed some ideas, and I said you could certainly do burgers on that flat top that they had. I said, so I said. Let me make you a blend. In. Let let's see, because I knew it needed to have some more brisket. Because the brisket has, for what they wanted to do as a smash burger, the brisket has a lot of that sweet, really sweet um, fat that lies between the two muscle groups. So if you remember ever cutting a corned beef open and you have that real fatty section in between, um, that is some of the sweetest fat uh, on edible on the animal. So um, that was a, a game changer, but we didn't understand why they weren't all cooking the same. And, and that's when I said, we need a surface thermometer because we need to see, we, I, I don't think there's, there's the same heat on this flat top. Ah. It's not like we, we were putting too many on. Right. We had so many, Well, they had so many cold spots on there we identified them. <laughs> so uh, eventually they bought a state-of-the-art uh, flat top Miraclean, um that looks like nickel. But before that, locating it, check, finding that problem, because if you want to serve a lot of people and you uh, have a certain doneness to any kind of meat, steaks, you know, chops, doesn't matter. If you're starting with the same temperature and the same product, and you're putting it onto the same heat, then you could pretty much set a timer, and you'll know when it's done, right? But it's when it, it's when those variables change, and then now it's a guessing game, right? Uh, and it takes a, a real pro to to know when when meat is done and and when it's not. We've all had steaks that. That we've ordered it one way and it's come out either over or undercooked. Um, but if you had the same starting temperature and the same cooking temperature, um, then it would be really simple. It'd be the matter of stop, you know, uh, stopwatches, and and it, it's simple. And that's what I do at home. It's very easy for me.
0: All right, hungry homies, quick break to talk to you about Zip Recruiter. Are you hiring? Posting your position to job sites, you can end up waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. Zip Recruiter knows that there's a smarter way. They themselves built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. They learn what you are looking for. They identify the people with the right experience, and they invite them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the website in just one day, and ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They spotlight the strongest application you receive so you never miss a great match. Right now, House of Carbs listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's F-R-E-E. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-A-R-B-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carbs. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. This this is the perfect segue uh, I'm having you on. It's, uh, we're we're rapidly approaching June, which means I think it's time we can officially start talking about grilling out uh, outside. You know, the summer, uh, even though here on the East Coast, it's felt like it's it's been a long way off, we finally had a beautiful day <laughs> on Sunday. Did you get some sun up there in New York on Sunday?
1: Um, Sunday, uh, towards the end, end of the day, but when I went home this morning at 5, 45 a.m. it was, yeah. it, was a, it was a little chilly out but it's right, out, out to be a beautiful day now.
0: Yes, yes. So you you're getting the day we had here in Washington yesterday. Be- beautiful, the okay. sun's out and it's time to start thinking about summer grilling, uh, we just talked about, you know, needing a real pro to know when the meat is done. I have a real pro here on the podcast. So let me ask you, <laughs> let me a- ask you, Pat LaFreda. Um, let's start with cuts. Uh, best cuts of, of meat for, for summer grilling, um, you know, three or four or five off the top of your head. Maybe like just your, your preference.
1: Sure, um, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll lead off with, with you will make you'll make great barbecued steaks um from from any cut that you're accustomed to and you know how to handle so if something like if you're grilling fillet as opposed to strip then and you know how you like your fillet then you'll make the best fillet ever but if you you're working with meat that you you have no idea and you've never worked with before, there's a learning curve. My favorite cuts are outside skirt steak by far, um, and outside I skirt steak. Outside well, what's
0: skirt. that? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: So that that's the traditional Romanian steak that diners used to sell when it was inexpensive. But it's part of the diaphragm. It's it's um, it's about four inches wide. It's about eighteen inches long and about maybe three quarters of an inch thick, and they're just amazing, flavorful steaks that um, they're they're not as tender as strip or ribeye, but they have flavor in them that's outrageous. But the fact that you know what to expect, and I, I, I stress outside because there's also an inside skirt, which is a completely different muscle from the diaphragm also, but they're half the price because they have little flavor. They're much tougher. And unfortunately, retail stores don't ever really specify. Uh, so it just a skirt steak and you're not going to have the same result. So if you have a conversation when you butcher, ask, uh, and confirm because they look very similar, but confirm that they're outside skirts. Those are the ones you want. But, uh, rib eyes, of course, are great. I love, um, tomahawks. Now people will say, well, what's the difference? There's no difference. A ribeye, a cowboy steak, and a tomahawk are all the same cut. Uh, the tomahawk just has the longer bone, which, um, I'll do one of two things with, with my Dremel. I'll carve some message into the bone, whether it be if it's a birthday party, or you just having, you know, the boys over, um, you could carve something in 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 the bone so that when it roasts, it really comes out uh, and stands out, and you it it's it's just a little little something extra. But if if I'm not going to do that, I like tomahawks because if I don't French them. So Frenching is, is cleaning all the meat off the bone. That's spare rib meat. That's great meat. So when you're done eating your ribeye, now, now you have a beautiful beef rib to chew on. It's, it's, it's amazing.
0: Well, let me uh stop you there uh just on on this note, because I, I have a, a, a personal favor to ask. You just mentioned a learning curve for somebody that's cooking um, some meat that that they don't have a lot of experience with. I had a birthday recently, and uh, you know, my my beloved father sent me, he knows my own affinity for, for steak. He sent me two 20-ounce bone-in American Wagyu. Rib eyes. Now, I don't, I don't buy wagyu for myself, and I, I have to tell you, Pat, I'm, I'm intimidated by these two pieces of meat <laughs> because I, I, I don't want to mess up uh, the, the preparation and the execution, and I, I, am feeling like maybe I don't even want to try cooking them outside on the grill. It might be better to do it I- inside. What, what, what are your thoughts? What recommendation would you have for me?
1: See you now, wagyu. Which is American Kobe is um, heavily, heavily marbled, right? So you, you you probably have more intramuscular fat than protein, and I think the big mistake with Wagyu is is what you just said—the twenty ounce size. That's that's a steak I I I can't consume because it's 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 you know the after so much fat, you you start to feel a little woozy.
0: It's too rich, right? It's too rich
1: for American uh, size steaks and American style steaks. However, just think of how the Japanese serve it, where they slice it thin and sear a few ounces Uh at a time. Uh So, it's in that regard, it's amazing. Like, if I was going to sear something and um in in smaller quantities, that's what it would be, because that meat is extremely tender. Um but it's rich. So, you know, it would be eating like a whole lobe of foie gras if you ate the whole thing. Um and I think that's a mistake I see sometimes in, in restaurants. You know, they ask what's the best steak? Well that's subjective. For grilling, I think prime is the best steak. Uh, Wagyu is certainly an amazing steak, but you just have to—it just needs to be handled and cooked. So I would cook it inside. Um, I would sear it on on a cast iron um, pot, a pan, and I would probably uh, also use those types of Japanese seasonings to um, to flavor it because. That's some of the most delicious and best steak experiences I've ever I've ever had. But my first Wagyu strip that I ever had, I took home. It uh, was a sample someone had, a company had sent me, and I cut a big steak off of it. And halfway through, I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> this is really tender, but something doesn't feel right. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't digest all the fat.
0: Well, if I have forty um, ounces of, of this in, in two different twenty-ounce steaks, I have a big appetite. One. Save one, okay. Well, I was going to say, how many <laughs> no, friends I said, should I, I invite did, over?
1: I, I said freeze one.
0: Oh, so, freeze one, um, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I don't like to freeze meat personally. Yeah, um, right. But but if it's vacuum packed and 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 it's not uh, blast frozen, I I think it, you can defrost it and. And with wagyu, because if it's fat content, you'd be fine. You, there wouldn't be much of a difference. But um, for twenty ounces, if you look at restaurants, they'll sell it by the ounce, right? But I right. think a good four ounces, four ounces a person would be fine.
0: Okay, um, all right. So I can have four or five friends way. over.
1: Oh yeah, Maybe. yeah yeah. Okay. I, I'd have another protein, as a, you know, for when they're done because they'll still be hungry. Um,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you. I know that you're doing a collaboration with Otto Wild Grills, um, and it's a portable grill that uh, mimics the heating process of a, of a steakhouse grill. Would this Would this grill be something that makes sense um, to try with the with swag you were talking about?
1: Uh, it would. It, so it, it is portable, but for me, it's it's not. It for me, it's a stationary. It's my stationary grill. Okay. Um, I, I guess I, I, there are more people that travel and grill than uh, than, than I ever realized. Uh, so in that regard, it's, it's the size of like a very large toaster oven, let's say, but it's, it's a miniature salamander. So for anyone that doesn't know what that is, that, that's, in almost every steakhouse, that's how you finish steaks to get that sear on the steak. You need some some high temperatures. So the temperatures that this reaches uh, are is fifteen hundred degrees in two and a half minutes. Oh my! So according, I mean, uh, you know, compare that to my traditional big forty-eight inch wide uh, grill. I would have to preheat that thing for at least twenty minutes to get it up to maybe eight hundred degrees. Right. So with the Auto wild, the heat's coming from only above and that's oh. that's what a salamander does. They also call that in restaurants a cheese melter. It's actually a cheese burner. Um it'll burn <laughs> a cheese in, in a Harvey. Yeah. But you could take uh, those so let's just say those you were gonna cook those two uh twenty ounce Rib steaks, uh, wagyu, and then you're going to slice them and slit them amongst your friends. You would probably put them into this grill once it's preheated in two and a half minutes for about a minute and a half each side. So, in three minutes total, and if you want to add the two and a half minutes before, you know, five and a half minutes, you're done. Oh, that's how fast. I love
0: this. Yes.
1: I mean, they did, there's nothing faster. I yes, charcoal is wonderful, but not practical. What do you do with the the charcoal and the embers for hours after it's still hot? Um, It many buildings would never allow it, of course, um, and it can be dangerous when you when you dump it and it's not completely out, and it's time consuming. For me. I don't have much time. So to be able now to... And that's what drew me to to the Wild family um, because they were emailing me and I had deleted a few of their emails initially <laughs> because I have a lot of grill companies that approach me and ask me to work with them and make a product that would be great for the American consumer. Right. And I saw this thing. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with that? I think it looks like a toaster oven. And then I thought... <laughs> How often is it that I'm cooking more than four steaks? Um, and if you know, if I did, maybe I would get two of these things. So let me take another look at it. I had to go back into my deleted emails last year and pull it back up again. And I'm like, wait, this this could be perfect. And they came to visit me, and uh, he says, "Okay, all we need is your propane tank." I'm like, "What do you mean, my propane tank? Uh, why would I have a propane tank sitting around?"
0: Right. Well,
1: sure as heck, one of my guys had a propane tank in his trunk, brought it out, hooked it up, and here we are on one and nine in North Bergen, New Jersey, searing the best ribeye steaks ever. And with some tweaks, we made the La fritta series, and I I use it every other day. It it, Ah. it's it's just fast and efficient, and it's so fast and efficient that. you really want to stand by it because you walk away for too long, and you know a sear becomes a burn. Yeah, right. And but I will tell you that that grill has made me look like a professional chef, and I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, so over when the you course get that of sear to come out. Oh, yeah.
0: When you say you're using it um, two or three times a week, let let's let the the hungry homies in on what you might put on there and and how long it might take. You just gave a beautiful recipe for the for my twenty ounce wagyu ribeyes, but but let's let the hungry homies in on on how Pat LaFrieda does it at home.
1: So for I cooked burgers uh, two nights ago uh, for my son and I, and they were six ounce burgers, and I put. I didn't max the heat out. I put the meat at slightly less than half. Uh-huh. And I, what's great about the grill is that you're able to raise the grill uh, and lower it away from the heat, depending on what you want to do. And burgers cook uh, a lot quicker. And I lowered it this way. It would, it would cook through a little bit without – and I would get that sear. Right. I flipped them, so let's say I let them on for two minutes on each side. I put the cheese in and shut it off, and there's just oh, enough yeah. heat there to let it melt, and it came out. My son ate two six-ounce burgers. I, he's, a, he's thin as a rail and <laughs> uh, is is 13 years old, um, and it's always difficult to get kids to eat, and he couldn't get enough. So, yeah. um, it, it, it's a lot of fun, but with ribeyes, um, I cooked two tomahawk steaks on it over the weekend, uh, crossed them in there and they were an inch and a half thick each mm-hmm. and from cold. So that means from my fridge right into the Otto wild, that was one minute, 45 seconds each side and pretty high up to the, to the heat. And I had just that perfect crust. I did let my steaks rest after. So when I pulled them, I put tinfoil over them, and I just let them, I let the exterior temperatures reach the interior. When I sliced into them, I had pink from edge to edge, but I had that nice, crisp sear. Um, And I was given this advice by a chef many years ago, Mike Lamonigo from Porterhouse, New York. He's like, Pat, Season your meat before, but do not put pepper. Just put salt. Fresh (laughs) pepper, you put it on after. I was like, why is that? I've never heard that before. He said, try it both ways. You'll see how bitter the pepper gets. And man, was he right on. I couldn't believe it. Okay. So, especially when you're dealing with heats of up to 1,500 degrees, um, it becomes more true. So, you know, I always have fresh ground pepper. They're waiting for my steaks to come out, and then I I pepper them, cover them in 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 tin foil, and and let them rest. So um, not so the juices can redistrib- redistribute and uh, all that stuff is hogwash. Um, <laughs> the reason you you the, the reason. <laughs> Now, the, the juices don't get sucked back into the protein, um, but what does happen is the the internal temperature will now m- meet the external temperature, and you'll have one temperature throughout. And what that does is it does release a lot less of the juices, and um, it, it, it allows you to have that one homogenous color through, and then you have this really beautiful crust of 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 protein and salt on on the exterior, and that's exactly the way restaurants cook cook meat.
0: Oh, I it's 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 uh I'm sitting here, my mouth is drooling. That's it's it, it's incredible. <laughs> I, 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 I want to ask you about the uh, the Penzey Food Hall, the first brick yeah. and mortar for for Pat La, La Freda, uh Pat LaFreda meat purveyors. <laughs> I looked at the menu today, and it's a, it's a beautiful menu. I mean, you know, you can get short rib. You can get uh, roast beef. Uh, there was a whole variety of beautiful Make things on there. there was, yeah. There was one thing missing. Just a burgers. regular straight. Yeah, burgers. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Where's the burger? We, we, we
1: are. I can't tell you how many opportunities I've passed up. Um, where investors wanted us to open a burger chain or a restaurant chain in, in you know in the city and, and and surrounding areas, but we we supply restaurants, and the last thing we want to do is be competitors with our customers. So, um, Mr. Roth from Bernardo Realty had that space which used to be Borders Bookstore outside the garden, and he really wanted not so much the profit but to change the the landscape of and 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 the and and the area as to the element that lingered outside every time you would walk up to the garden you know you're offered everything in the world from scalp tickets and on and having a food presence on that corner and in the, in the envelope of being in that building and staying away from from what my customers sell is the only way we were. I felt comfortable in opening anything. Um, so we were not competing with our customers. And, you know, in the bubble of, of the garden, um, I, you know, a lot of chefs respect us for for uh, having done that. For, uh, you know, for us, it, it was about uh, exposure. It was about I, I love projects like that where, uh, you know, you have gangs hanging outside uh, on the corner. And now you're changing the neighborhood around, and it's it's very much appreciated by by the neighborhood. And um, just the fact that it's there, it's open, there's people there. Um, It's secure. It's clean. If you go into the garden to see anything or to meet friends, it's a great place to go in. And you have. Uh, a number of concepts, and I think the two most popular concepts, which I, I think is hysterical, is a vegan bakery and Pat for the meat purveyors.
0: So, <laughs> you, <laughs>
2: um,
0: but that's that's where the American yeah. palate is these days, right?
1: hundred percent. You know, and. and you know, it's not it's not uncommon for someone to lean over to me at a dinner table for the first time and say, "Hey, Pat, I just want to tell you in advance, I'm a vegetarian." I'm like, that's why? Why are you telling me? Tell the waiter. I I'm I not telling you to eat meat. As long as you don't tell me not to eat meat, I'm like, gonna <laughs> right. tell you to eat meat. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. Eat, I want people to eat what what makes them feel good.
0: Absolutely. You have to feel good well,
1: about what you're eating, and uh, that's that's something very indec- very important. Um, that we try to get across.
0: Well, I I, I do want uh, all of our uh, hungry homies out there to know there is a Pat LaFreda Signature Blend slider that you can get. So if you have the occasion to be at Madison Square Garden, get yourself into yes. the Penzi Food Hall. Can that, now I'm not going to make you reveal all the contents of the, of the Signature Blend and the sliders, but but what's the general mix that's in there?
1: So it, my grandfather's mix we yeah. we um, beef up on the short rib, so you oh. know taking variations of those cuts. Whether you know, as I said earlier, whether you like strip sirloin, which most people don't even know what sirloin is, strip sirloin ribeye, or um, something that's got a little bit of depth to its beef flavor without being aged, like the black label, but you you achieve that with boneless short rib. So having boneless short rib in the blend um is is really the what what makes that burger special. And the we have a <laughs> we actually developed the steak sauce last year and there's uh just a hint of the steak sauce on which really makes it special.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I I can't wait to get back up to New York. My my train up to Penn Station, I can walk right out and and into the food hall, grab a couple of sliders and then get on with whatever business must be conducted. Um, one one last thing. You've been very generous with us in sharing um, what's going on inside of, of your kitchen and what's going on to the dining room table at your house. One of the things that we like to ask our, our most famous guests, and you definitely qualify, Pat LaFreda, we ask <laughs> last, last meal on earth. Uh, you know, we're not trying to be morbid here, but if you were, if you were planning, if you knew, uh, you know, that the, the day was coming, you were going to go meet the great Creator, uh, and you had a meal um, that you could plan out and put in front of you, um, what what are a couple of the things that would that would go on that menu?
1: Well, on that plate would be my truffled creamed polenta. Oh, um, my uh, um, my seared uh, Brussels sprouts, but I, I think I uh, I'd have to take Hannibal Lecter on this one and uh, <laughs> lamb chops. Oh was, wow! Uh, wow! Silence of the no. Lambs. I love lamb. Lamb is one of my favorite. Lamb is my favorite meat. Um, or people ask me, "What's your favorite steak?" That's the skirt. But my favorite meat is lamb, um, but domestic lamb. So domestic, lamb that finished okay. off in c- Colorado, as opposed to. New Zealand or Australian, which are both good, but yeah, nothing compares to uh, domestic Colorado finished lamb. It's uh, oh, really special.
0: What a plate. Now, I, I the, the beauty of this is you just gave out a, a beautiful plate that all those things are available. We can go and, and make that plate and enjoy it and, and don't have to know that we're going to keel over the next day, hopefully. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, great. Uh, you, they are available, and uh, yeah, you don't have to be facing death to eat them. But um, I, I love that Hannibal Lecter's team was eating the lamb chops rare. Um, and I just thought, what a sick individual, but Jesus, he's ordering the right stuff.
0: <laughs> well on that note uh pat thank you so much for joining us today on on house of carbs I'm, I'm gonna go online and check out the grills I'm, I'm i'm so intrigued by the idea of of getting these beautiful wagyu pieces of meat on one of these auto wild grills so thank you very much for uh giving us all that beautiful insight today
1: my pleasure it's been it's been a pleasure and a pleasure Look forward to coming back.
0: Yes. Thanks, Pat.
1: You got it, guys. Thank you.
0: There we go, my taste buds. Humongous thanks to Pat LaFreda giving us some time. It's probably near his bedtime right now uh, as he as he uh, gets ready for the early morning wake-up call. We appreciate him coming on and giving us those outstanding tips. Before we get to a royal version of food news this week. How about a quick word from our pals at Thomas's English Muffin? My taste buds, are you looking for a breakfast that's worth skipping the snooze button for? Look no further than Thomas's. It is the only breakfast brand that delivers a -a one-of-a-kind eating experience with its original Nooks and Crannies English muffin. There is nothing quite like that Nooks and Crannies texture, perfectly toasted to give you irresistibly crispy edges with a soft, warm center. We're talking about peaks and valleys. We're talking about a light crunch on top, a soft center in the middle, nice and warm. I like it a little bit uh, crunchier. I turn the toaster up to eight. That's okay. That's how I like it. You do it how you like it. The secret to revealing the perfect nooks and crannies goodness every time, my friends, is to pull the halves apart. You don't ever use a knife. If you need a fork just to get it started, go ahead and stick the tines. But just Just get a finger in there. It'll, it'll come right apart. That's how you get the peaks and the valleys. <laughs> You get that thing into the toaster. You lightly toast each half. I might go a little bit light, a little heavier. And then you take them right out. They're hot in your hands. You get the butter in there. If you're a cream cheese person, go ahead and do that. You watch how the butter or the cream cheese, it just melts and it pools down in those beautiful crevasses. And inside all those amazing little nooks and cranny spaces, it is a delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite if you haven't had them already you got to go get some toast and butter some thomas's nooks and crannies english muffins they are truly like no other okay my taste buds my famished friends it is that time we are now ready for some food news yo juliet
2: hey hey hey
0: what is happening
2: you know, just kicking it here in L.A., not too much. I had really good carnitas tacos for lunch, just in oh. case you're wondering, from here on oh. the lot. Taco yeah. Tuesday, my friend.
0: Taco Tuesday at the at the uh, eatery right there on the lot, huh? Yeah,
2: Food and Bounty.
0: How about it? How about wow. it? Yeah. I didn't have carnitas tacos. I had a salad, which is what I do during the week, uh, so that I can go crazy on the weekends. Nice. So like this weekend, coming up, when I'm going to be down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Down to the Triangle. I need to say a nice thing about all the great Hungry Homies in Raleigh. So much nice feedback. Nice people down in Raleigh. They want me to come down there and do a lot of eating. I know I'm going to be able to get to at least four or five places. It's not a full-on belly tour. I'm not going to be able to hit 10 <laughs> places, but we're going to hit some of the the more, you know, we, we're going to do Brewery Bavana, which is a, a dim sum place where they also make beer, where they also sell flowers, and where they also sell books.
2: That sounds delightful.
0: Fun, right? Yeah. We're going to have brunch there. We're going to definitely have... The, the, the OG down there is a chef named Ashley Christensen. She has a whole empire. We're, we're visiting her, her death and taxes restaurant. But I also need to make my way over to Pools Diner, which is famous. And, and Kyle, nephew Kyle can attest to this. We've probably gotten... Sixty pictures of the macaroni and cheese at Pool's Diner over the the course of this this uh this fine podcast of ours because it is it is beautiful macaroni and cheese and the podfather Bill Simmons came on and talked about how he thought that he could make macaroni and cheese at home as good as any restaurant uh, David Chang disabused him of that, and then the hungry homies have been relentless with the Pool's diner macaroni and cheese as evidence that Bill Simmons could not make macaroni and cheese anywhere near as delightful as, as Ashley Christensen.
2: Oh, wow. Shots fired at Bill Simmons.
0: That's it. I think he's learned. I think, <laughs> you know, Dave Chang made a thing that is like macaroni and cheese at Major Domo, but, but that contains neither macaroni nor cheese. It's really Simmons good. Simmons has confessed that his mind is blown. Uh, what, what do you remember the ingredients? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't remember what the, the way that that uh, Chang does this faux version.
2: Um, you know, I don't recall, but I am going to major domo tomorrow, so I can ask. Oh!
0: <laughs> of course you are.
2: <laughs> yeah, Spectacular. I, have, I haven't been in quite a while, and like since it basically had a soft open in like January or February, so I'm really excited. Oh, you're
0: overdue. You yeah. have to. I mean, things have changed. You, I, I hopefully the. Well, the the BS fries are are on the menu for tomorrow night.
2: Hopefully, I think they're called Bill's fries.
0: Oh, they're Bill's fries. Bill's of course, fries, yeah. pardon me. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
2: As if there's well, only one there w- Bill.
0: There, there's only one Bill. Uh, there's there was, only one Bill
2: to me, to be honest.
0: It's and, and okay, that's fine. I accept that. There's more than one Bill to me. <laughs> okay. I mean, where you know, sure, it's, it's a b- blood sticker than water. What do you want me to do? Um... This past weekend in Los Angeles, there was an outstanding food event. It, it was the Eat Con. Juliette, I know your schedule got very complicated over the weekend, so I don't believe that you were able to make it. There was one complicating factor. Do you care to share it with all our, our taste buds, or should we keep it under wraps?
2: Oh, we could share it.
0: Okay. I mean, you were up early. You were I, up very early up at, Saturday morning.
2: Yes, I woke up at 2 a.m., actually one fifty a.m., to watch the <laughs> Royal Wedding in real time. I had a slumber party with four friends, and we uh, all woke up together. And it was like the most fun I've had in 2018, and like, I was sad on Sunday when it was over.
0: My question is for... At 2 a.m., 1.45 a.m. wake up, why, why didn't you just stay up?
2: Because I'm old and washed, and it was a Friday, <laughs> and it was like 10 o'clock, and I was so tired. I was like, I need, ah. I need a little siesta here. So I took a three-hour nap, basically, and then yeah. I woke up for the wedding, and then we washed it, and then I went home and uh, stayed in bed.
0: It's very relatable what you just described in terms of, like, I pass out at 10 o'clock on on Friday night. It's not even like, oh, I want to go to sleep. I just fall asleep. I'm on the couch. I'm out. That's it.
2: I think it's often attributed to age, but I think it's more that, like, when you get to a certain point in life, you have a lot of responsibilities. You have a job. You might have kids. Like you might have a, a spouse that you need to like spend time with, and that all adds up. And by the time you get to Friday, you're really tired.
0: <laughs> That's it. I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, although I will say, I often wake up right around one forty five or two in the morning. Uh, you know that Saturday morning, like, oh, I'm on the couch. I fell asleep on the couch again. Now it's time to to go to bed. You you uh, you know woke up and watched the royal wedding.
2: Yeah, I did, and then I also had to do a little work as well. And then, yeah, and then you know we we covered the royal wedding here, so it wasn't like. A no, no, I know that yeah. was
0: genuine. Uh, yeah. You know that was content.
2: Content, baby, and it Word. was just, it was great. I'm I'm uh, I think I'm one of the world's biggest George Clooney fans. So the fact that he was there was really big for me. And also, I have been watching Suits since day one. Like I have, no, I know Meghan Markle. Like we have a personal relationship based on the fact that I watch Suits. And she went to Northwestern University, where I also went to college. So there, oh, there was just a lot for me. And also, yeah. I, I'm a royal watcher, and um. I'm a girl, so I care about weddings. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> this was really up your alley. This was <laughs> a big time. Tailor
2: made for things that I care Taylor about. Tailor made, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Well, I, I uh the the House of Carbs Instagram feed was populated with many uh, uh, interesting photos from the each con out there in LA. The author of, of those photos and that running story on the House of Carbs Instagram was none other than, than the producer of this show Nephew Kyle. Nephew Kyle are you sitting by a microphone? Always. Yes <laughs> I knew it. Uh, Nephew so, Kyle
2: on the horn.
0: Uh, <laughs> first time long time. That's right. Nep- that's right, nephew Kyle. First time, uh, every
2: time is more like it.
0: That's a great point. First time, every time. <laughs> uh, so the pictures, I enjoyed them from from my my uh, you know my comfortable place here in in Washington D.C. Sunday morning. Um, I will say there were it felt like a lot of pictures. There were maybe fifteen or twenty or twenty five, and you captured. Quite uh, epically, all of the, the various vendors that were there, the one thing that I didn't see a lot of photos of, Nephew, was, was food. Yes. So <laughs> you you know our brand, right? I
3: know. I know. Well, I felt it was kind of on brand to, to, to have the cop out is that I ate the food before I could think about taking pictures of it. <laughs> and I thought that would be acceptable.
2: Is that true, though?
3: I swear it's true.
0: Okay. I swear it's true.
2: Okay. Well,
0: I, I, I and, and we, there was tequila on there also. I wondered if maybe the tequila got in the way. It helped. Of, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If it was an impediment to capturing glorious food pics.
3: Well, beer was $9, but the tequila was free. So I had to
0: seek out the tequila. That's
2: like a rap lyric. Can we figure something out?
3: Uh, <laughs> this
0: is, I'll clip that. All from I the, know is yeah. that's how Nephew Kyle gets down. Not, not, I mean, the free part for sure, but tequila, come on. That's how nephew Kyle gets Sponsored down. Sponsored
3: by Don Julio. That was really nice. It was really oh, nice. Well done, Don had a Julio. Got couple, a couple of different Paloma recipes. It was it was
0: really good.
2: Ooh, All I All
0: right. Like well, it. tell tell Juliet and I the best thing you stuck in your mouth that was not tequila. Um, it was. It's. I think it might have been a toss up
3: between the Han Dynasty that they had there and Wexler's Deli.
2: Okay, I want to talk about both of those.
0: Yes, get in there.
2: Han Dynasty is my brother Joey. Absolute favorite restaurant. He is obsessed with it. He, it's like he. They. It started in Philly, but it moved to New York, and um, he lives in Brooklyn. And there is a recently opened Han Dynasty in Brooklyn, and it is in a food. It is in it's in the food court that you went to, the DeKalb Market Hall. I refuse to call it a market hall; it's a food court. And it, <laughs> he lives in the building that is above. I think we may have discussed this before. And like we he, did, he is just obsessed with it. And like, he, and once there's one on the Upper West Side where my parents are. Once we had a bad delivery experience with them, and like it, it was it was a real it was a real point of tension for our family because my brother is so partisan and obsessed with Han Dynasty. And my mom and I were like so mad about our, our delivery situation. It was like <laughs> a real family feud because <laughs> Han Dynasty is so important to my brother. Well, who won? My brother. We still go there. Okay.
0: Right. <laughs> of course. Um, what about the food?
2: Um, the food is really good. Kyle, what'd you have from Han Dynasty?
3: So I wanted some meat from Han Dynasty. I did. I went with my, my girlfriend and I hopped in the Wexler's line and she ordered the two Things that didn't have meat. She ordered cold sesame noodles and cold chili noodles, which were both the best things I had. Um, Ooh, that sounds outstanding.
0: What was the meat that you had from Wexler's? Oh, it was corned beef.
2: I just oh, want to okay. say, of course, as a as a New Yorker living um, in the diaspora here in California, Wexler's is one of the only places that I will accept a bagel from. It's very oh. good. It's very good. Wow.
0: Well, I I was surprised when I looked at the uh, the story. That Russ and Daughters had made an appearance out there. I, th- I guess Chris or, or um, one of the guys told us that they, that Russ and Daughters. I just forgot. Uh, is Russ and Daughters on that that short list, Juliet?
2: Um, yeah, Russ and Daughters is very, but they don't have that in L.A. They just like they imported some New York places for this event. Right.
0: Yeah. The one criticism I saw levied of the event, and I hope the Infatuation guys will indulge this, was that. Um, it, lo- it felt like uh they picked up a whole you know t- 20 New York places and and exported them to New York and it might have been just as efficient for a hungry homie to get on the airplane and fly to New York <laughs> and eat but I you know I I'm just saying what the what the people be saying I mean I'm not you know I I like the idea you couldn't possibly if you visited New York get to get that sampling that wide sampling as is, is what the infatuation guys are uh, we able to pull off and at the same time, uh, you know, give you the free tequila. Plus, you know, there was bands I saw, there was, oh, there was a marching band. The, yeah. yeah. They, were, they walked right
3: through the line. I
0: tried to get into the Fuku,
3: never once made it in there and they, they cleared out the whole line so the marching band could walk through. Oh my God. I never made it to Fuku once. The yeah. line was just full the whole entire time. So still never in my life had the Fuku chicken sandwich.
2: Shout out to our podcast friend, uh, Dave Chang. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, he. he I basically bet can ran ho- the whole. We can whole arrange to there. get you a Fuku sandwich, nephew Kyle. I'm pretty sure we can hook that up. I'd like to think it's in the realm of possibility. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you, you, there's no reason for you to stand in line. I'm glad that you uh, went and sampled. So we have your your two highlights. Name name two other places that you tried. Um,
3: I, I mean, I got the Shake Shack. That was good. Oh, nice. Um okay. yeah. yeah, and then well, now, on oh, brand Loki. With
0: Pat Lafreida, you had, you enjoyed some of Pat Lafreida's yes. blends.
3: Yeah, I did that for the show actually um, for you. Well guys. done, thank you. And then the last place was Loki Loki Tacos. Those were just fantastic. You know, what I've are those? I don't know, those. know that. What
0: is it? Is it? Where is it based? I th- it's uh, it's in L A. It's in LA.
3: Oh, it's an L A. based joint. Yeah, and it was attached to the the Don Julio Free Tequila Lounge. So I had a couple. Oh, of Oh, nice. Pretty brilliant. <laughs>
2: I like how you're using the sponsor name. <laughs>
3: It's very important.
2: Yeah, the infatuation guys, should, they should give you like a special bonus for plugging their sponsor.
0: What, Don Julio?
2: <laughs> yeah. All right, last time.
0: Yeah. It. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. I, I have been very excited. Um, we, we know that they are Chris came on, and we talked about how they're doing a New York one, or maybe it was a special announcement that he didn't want to reveal, but they are doing a New York one, and I am going to it.
2: Oh, cool. We're,
0: we're going to go to the New York
2: Eats Con. It's an, I think it's in October.
0: Yes. Yeah, you got yes, some it, it it is on October. I'm gonna block off some time to get up there and make sure uh you know, every time I go to, I was in New York last week, in fact, I had an unbelievable meal at a restaurant called Frenchette, a oh. new restaurant down in the Tribeca area. Cool. Yeah. The guys behind Meta Tavern, uh, Riyadh Nasser and Lee Hansen, uh open up their their first uh you know, standalone where they're the two main The two main actors, and I was over there with our old pal Adam Rappaport. Cool. Our constant pal Adam Rappaport. Yeah. Good eats.
2: Cool. Let's talk about Food News House. Let's do it. This one's topical. This one is related to my 1.45 a.m. wake-up call, and it's about KFC... The one of the beloved food brands in the United Kingdom in the Royal Wedding. Uh, K, this is from Mashable. KFC has designed a commemorative bucket to celebrate Harry and Meghan's big day, which was May 19th. And the bucket was lavish and regal in its design. This story comes to us From Mashable. A KFC spokesperson said, When we discovered Prince Harry proposed over a roast chicken, we simply had to show our support for the big occasion. The Royal Wedding Bucket, as it's been named, features a bespoke crest with a modern KFC twist. Featuring resplendent gold flourishes, the bucket is embellished with a classic regal crest, proudly adorned with both British and American flags. Sadly, for finger-licking Harry and Meghan fans, only 50 of the buckets will be available exclusively from KFC's Windsor Windsor branch on Deadworth Road. If you happen to go to a different branch of KFC on the couple's big day, you won't be able to get a hold of the regal bucket. So, this was... A gag in Windsor, which is where they got married, which I've, I'm pleased to say I've been to, uh, oh. for only 50 people. And I, by the way, I didn't know that it would be the site of such an important wedding. I, Meghan Markle is very important to me, as I as I stated. So, yeah, you've
0: you laid, you've set that that the the premise, you've laid it down.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this. I, I just like it because KFC is so popular in the UK.
0: <laughs> so that that's the thing that's been a revelation over the course of, of enjoying food news with you Juliet. We, we uh, as the hungry homies know, love to do international stories. And the UK, um, you know, and the UK, eating habits have have been featured on here quite a bit, and we have both come to enjoy when when there was the disruption in the uh, distribution network of chicken to the to the uh, London area KFCs. The outrage uh, uh, in the in the UK social media uh, and and media writ large was was quite pronounced and very enjoyable.
2: The the love for KFC was just blew my mind. I just didn't know it existed.
0: So, but 50 buckets. Here's the th- my only issue with this. He proposed over a roast chicken.
2: Yes. Do you know about uh, engagement uh, chicken? N- no. I'm
0: not familiar with engagement chicken. I feel like I would like it.
2: I think this started with Ina Garten, but there's like this whole lore. There's a certain chicken that you should make when you're getting engaged. So anyway, it's like it's like oh. this whole thing. Anyway, keep going. What does
0: it mean? I had Ruth's Chris steak when I got engaged. <laughs> That's a true. And very, then I went home and had a brand. chunky monkey.
2: Very on brand. Carry on. <laughs> so yes, see, they, well, were, they were eating chicken.
0: <laughs> I want to see one of these buckets. I w- I hope that one of them somebody was lucky enough to stumble into that KFC. Yeah, I want the twenty piece. So, Boom! Here's the Regal bucket, and I want to see it on eBay. How much do you think they're going? One of those would go for on eBay.
2: Um. Again, glad you asked because some of the other like trinkets available to people who are in Windsor are going for like thirteen thousand dollars. Like there was like a gift bag that that had like you know, a, a a coupon for the gift shop at Windsor Castle and like some like pins from Harry and Meghan's big day and it was going for $13,000. So I think you could get like at least 750 for a bucket. And I, I saw a picture. It's not that regal, but it is different. I mean, you know, if you're truly obsessed, like many people are, you got to have it.
0: Yeah, that's a great price. I'm on that. Yes. I'm not, I wouldn't pay it, but I feel like that's a fair price.
2: Yeah. I, okay. I wouldn't either. I, Thirteen thousand for the like entire gift bag from the day in Windsor is insane. But some people, they just they're obsessed.
0: Yeah, they want they want uh, that little taste of of uh, you know the experience. Yeah, they have to have
2: it. Yeah. Okay, moving on. This is actually sponsored content from Foodbeast, but I want to talk about it because I, they didn't sponsor me. So whatever. <laughs> they didn't
0: sponsor us either. House no. of Carbs.
2: They did not. So. Benny Hana, the the infamous food chain. Do they have one in DC?
0: Yes, of course.
2: I guess they have them everywhere. I, I don't even know how many they have. It was a big deal to go to this when I was in high school. It was like a cool thing for for kids to do. Anyway, they now have this offer where you can like learn to become Benny Hana chef so that then you can take your friends to Benny Hana and cook for them basically. It's a $200 package for four people for the you the guest chef and your three guests and you can like show off your knife skills and how you are a master of the hibachi. And I kind of think this seems like a good deal. $200 for four people at Benihana?
3: <laughs> it feels like a great deal.
2: Yeah, and like I'm you ass- agree? I'm assuming you get some help from a trained chefs so like, you know, my friends don't have to eat my bad food, but <laughs> I have no idea. I just it's think Benihana it, food. So I it's going it to be great. Fun. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't know. I just, I think the whole concept of Benihana, there's a lot of, I'll be driving around LA and like I'll see like these big buildings, like these big structures. And I was like, God, nothing's ever looked more 90s. Like that's so from like a different era where like someone thought this was a great idea and really smart. And Benihana is like the restaurant of the 90s to me. It's like, oh, someone thought this was like a really cool idea. And like stir fry really had a moment and that moment has passed.
0: I agree with this. Although I will say, it feels like it could be capable of a pretty um, breathtaking reinvention. And what I'm particularly attracted to is this idea of of the interaction that goes beyond like sitting around at the Korean barbecue, putting the meat onto the. Um, uh, on, on, Onto the hot coals, or you know, at the fondue place. That's the other place I thought of. Do you, I, do you remember the name of the fondue place? Of course, What's the famous fondue the melting place? Melting pot. Yes, melting pot. Yes. Like where? The melting, melting pot? pot? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, the nephew who, I, I, out of left field. Who knew? <laughs> well, now we're having fondue the next time we're out, Kyle.
2: Food service um, professional.
0: Uh but Benny is at a whole nother level in terms of um the skills required to prepare the food. I feel like that could be an innovation. Letting this is the like the curiosity, the natural curiosity of the hungry homies out there to get behind the stove, to good to to get, you know, kind of a guided tour with with all due precaution and safety of course you don't want anybody chopping off a finger or stabbing their friends um but with the the proper kind of precautions in place, participating in the cooking um in in like a in a in a real way as opposed to just throwing stuff on the on, in in the in the boiling pot that's that has kind of a thing that that works for me yeah what do you
2: think i I agree with you it also doesn't seem like the same kind of perfect chemistry that other kind of cooking needs. You can just throw stuff on there,
0: right? Right now, I do think like the reinvention um, that's available to them. Could could sort of capture um, a lot of the 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 different food groups, the Asian food groups that are of a moment. Like you know, they could work some ramen in there, yeah. And you could cook, pre cook some of them. You know, there could be a whole thing where um, folks, all the hungry homies out there that are dying for you know, pho or ramen or you know, just go go think outside the box a little bit, Benny Hanna. Yeah. But this idea of letting the, the the taste buds behind the behind the counter and, and behind the grill and, and setting them up for, for great success. I'm on board with this. I
2: like it too. I also just think that it's time for interactive dining to make a comeback. And I just feel like the sort of the foodie revolution of like the last 10 to 15 years made it like an ex, it's like a place only for experts. but I, right. I, I think the restaurant could be taken back by the people.
0: I'm right there with you. This is that's a very eloquent way of putting what I just awkwardly stumbled <laughs> through. You thank you for doing. That. This is why it. you're the professional.
2: We worked through it together, House, and it we felt did. great.
0: We did. It always does, Juliet.
2: <laughs> well, that's all I've got this week.
0: That that is plenty. We've conquered a lot of lot of items. I'm excited to come back next week from uh, Raleigh with with tales of good eating and a very full belly. Uh, I promise that there will be pictures as well.
2: I can't wait to hear about it.
0: Yeah, I'm psyched. Thanks.
2: Bye, house. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye, Jay. All right, my culinary comrades, there you have it. Another house of carbs in the books. You've been hearing me talk about this trip of mine down to Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm leaving in two days please get over to the Instagram at the House of Carbs and check out. I'll be doing my best to capture the experience. I'm going to at least four restaurants, maybe five. Lots of food pictures, as opposed to what nephew Kyle. I'm not going to just take pictures of the outside of the building, my friends. I'll actually get some food pics in there. Hopefully pools, macaroni and cheese. We're definitely going to get over to the dim sum at Brewery Bavana. There's going to be some beer involved as well. I'm very excited for this trip. If you have any suggestions my hungry homies before i get down there hit me up on the instagram at the house of carbs i'll keep an eye out for you or you can hit me on the twitter at house from dc i can definitely see what you suggest there i will have some outstanding experiences to report next week but until then my friends let's stay hungry out there